Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Football Social Daily. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily. I'm Jim Salverson. This is your daily fix of Premier League news in podcast form. Click subscribe wherever it is you get your podcasts now and we'll make sure you get every single new show as soon as it's ready. I've got Phil Hudson and Fergal Brennan in with me today. Are we good, boys? Yeah, very good, man. Very Hello, good. Yeah, very good. good. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about England, who marked their 1,000th game by trying to score a 1,000 goals against a very poor Montenegro side. That game also saw the latest instalment of Gomez versus Sterling, as England fans appear to turn on the Liverpool defender. I'll be getting the boys' views on that very shortly. And the Christmas trees have all started to go up, certainly where we are in the Sports Social office, which means the January transfer window is fast approaching and the rumour mill is already going into overdrive. There's some tasty stories in the papers today concerning Arsenal, concerning Manchester United and concerning Newcastle. We're going to be trying to work out what is fact and what is fake news? So, let's kick off with England. Job done, qualification secured, seven goals scored. Good day for Gareth Southgate, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was had half an eye on the game and half an eye on the Ireland game last night. And every time I locked, a goal flew in. Uh, and his smile just got wider and wider and wider and wider on his face. Mm. Um, nobody expected anything other than a comfortable England win. But to have it wrapped up inside... Was it 4-0 inside 20 minutes or 5-0, yeah. I think? 5-0 by half-time. Yeah, I mean... 4-0 in 32 minutes or something crazy like that. It's it's insane to be in that position. Um, and everyone was talking before the game about Montenegro being that classic, ooh, it'd be a bit difficult, break them down, blah, They're blah, rubbish. blah, blah. They were <laughs> abysmal. As, as ruthless as England were, and full credit to them, Montenegro were yeah. terrible. I don't think I've ever seen an international team as weak in the air as Montenegro were last night. Because normally... It was as if they normally play five a side. They wouldn't be the dog and duck. (laughs) Garbage, man. You you didn't want to talk about England today, Phil. You were that uninterested. You just wanted to talk about Montenegro. Procession thing. People are like, oh, Southgate's done a great job. I could have got England to qualify from this group. It's it's not a fantastic result. It's not a fantastic night for Southgate. It's the absolute minimum of what is expected and should be required. It's the old problem with England qualifying groups, though, isn't it? We stroll through the group stages. There's maybe one tricky opponent in there. Incidentally, we the we've lost our first qualifying game for like 10 years. Yeah. So it's not been... Just 
It so, leaves us unprepared when we get I'm to not, the major I'm not having though, this. I had this conversation. I think we had it a while ago, but yep. I'm not having this. Southgate's doing a fantastic job, Spiel, because he's probably got the most exciting crop of young English footballers mm. that we've had certainly in the last 15 years, I'd say. Yeah. And, and possibly some of that is down to him and how he's developed, you know, through St. George's and stuff like that. But I don't think James Madison is really, really good at football because of his stuff at St. George's Park. I think he's really mm. good because he was at Coventry and then he was at Norwich. And he was well looked after, and he was well coached. I, I just England, England should walk qualifying, mm. and they and they largely have. So okay, it, now let's see what happens when we go to the Euros and we get humped off the Dutch in the last <laughs> round in the quarterfinals or something. It was the youngest England starting lineup for sixty years. Average age was twenty three years, two hundred and fifty five days. Are we getting a bit carried away still with this whole idea that this is the golden generation coming through, or is that justified that you've got? I mean, Jaden Sancho played last night. Harry Winks played last night. Obviously, you got. People like Raheem Sterling. I refuse to acknowledge any golden generation that has Harry Winks in it. (laughs) (laughs) He's the golden goose in this golden generation. He is is bang average. But as a rule... excited by the prospect. I mean, he said it was going to be a young team that played last night, and they were. It's going to be a younger team that plays against Kosovo, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not... I wouldn't say excited, because as you can probably tell by the tone of my voice, but um, I think that England have got some really good young players. I wouldn't dispute that. I think, you know, Kane's obviously... Arguably a world-class striker. Sterling's certainly a world-class player. I know he didn't play last night. And then you've got Sancho, who seems to be on the periphery being world-class. You've got Hudson-Odoi, you've got Mount, you've got Madison. You've got a lot of good players going forward. I think defensively they've got a bit of work to do. And I still don't think he entirely knows what his best system is. Mm. So I think they're in relatively good health, but they're not in the same health as the Dutch or the French or even possibly the Spanish, the Italian. You know, Everyone says that, oh, wow, England got the semi-final of the World Cup and it was amazing and... We all got swept up in that euphoria, even myself to an extent. But but the Euros is a harder tournament to win because the quality of the sides is better. The Euro, the Euros is a harder tournament to win. And it, I'm not sure I follow that logic. Surely all the I think good it's more sides, concentrated. It's more, con- there's there's more concentrated. Harder, it's harder tournament. You haven't got as many whipping boys. Is that it's, kind yeah, of yeah? It's, okay. it's harder. It's harder to get to the latter stages of the Euros because you just play good sides. Mm. England got to the semi-final of the World Cup without really playing anyone. They played Belgium in the group stages and got beat. Or Drew, but the the point is, it's a hot. The Euros, you can't get past quarterfinals and Euros. There'll be eight good teams. It's a hard, it's a harder tournament, it's a better tournament. But I think quite often we get into this stage with England as well, where we look at we're always going. We always seem to be going. We'll have a great team in six years. We'll have a great team in six years. It's always like the future of England rather than the present of England. And I don't know whether we're getting caught up in that trap a little bit now by talking about all these young players that are coming through. So when they, when like Jaden Sancho gets to 23, yeah. 24, are we going to be talking about another 17-year-old and going, oh, we should be giving him a chance? I think, I think that is always the consistent danger when, when you're looking at England in the present and England in the future, as you say. And I, I do agree with Phil that we need to be mindful of not getting wept up, swept up, sorry, soup too much with, with Southgate and what he's done with England. But the one thing that he has done which other England managers haven't done is show a you know show a real set uh, of young players that England have available to them and, and play them not just bits and pieces and coming on in the last twenty minutes of friendlies and and here there and everywhere he's he's playing them he's starting them in, in competitive internationals in qualifying games so I do take on board what what Phil says and I do is think that largely because the previous crop of England players were quite poor though so these youngsters yeah. are getting credit yeah. not because. Southgate's a master tactician and wants to promote youth. It's just they are the best option. <laughs> I, yeah, I think, I think he's picking the best players. I think that one thing that makes the players look exciting is that they're probably the first generation 
that's been coached by lottery funding to an extent. Mm. So these are kids who've mm. who've benefited from enormous investment into four G pitches, three G pitches, sorry. Um if, you know, investment into coaching infrastructure, investment into having youth coaches with proper FA accreditation and the things like that. The stuff we looked at Germany years ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, and we said, want and said we, we want yeah. with admiration. So, so now we've in, we've put that in place and we've implemented that. I think that's the probably the real catalyst for yeah. for what you see now in terms of these technically minded footballers like your Madison, like your Mounts, who and you're going, wow, these guys. We never had these guys before. Well, we possibly had a few of them, but it it wasn't the the coaching emphasis in the UK. Certainly, twenty years ago, wasn't necessarily about technique. It was yeah. more about athleticism. It was more about pace. It was more about power. Whereas now, it's about can you play a bit, mm. and that's what that's why you're going to see more and more technically minded players come through into the the national setup. But they're also taking Southgate for the first time in in a line of England managers. He's taking the lead from club managers and saying instead of trying to row against the tide of no 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 we're going to do something completely different when you come to St George's Park and you play for England. He's taking the best bits and pieces from Liverpool, from Leicester, from Chelsea and saying this is what you're doing at club level. Let's try and find a kind of quasi system at national team level so that you're not coming in for the six days that I have you and I'm going to try and yeah. you know reinvent the wheel. Allah, what what Spain did with with the Barcelona team when they were so successful they they tried to transpose as much of that system as they possibly could and I think you know we're scratching around to give Southgate credit there is bits and pieces where he's he's shown humility where other England managers haven't because potentially you could say that's because of who he is where he's come from you look at someone like Fabio Capello he's not going to be told how to manage England by a Premier League club manager I'm not saying that Southgate is being told but he's open enough young enough to say yes I will look at what Jurgen Klopp is doing at Liverpool or yeah. Guardiola at City or, or or any other manager where my players are doing well and that's what's feeding into this kind of whirlwind around England at the moment Let's forget about the positivity for a little bit and focus on the negativity that was directed Great towards that was, that Joe was the part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, there's a very difficult to understand why England fans booed Joe Gomez when he came on. Hands in the air, Phil. Yes. What well, you put your I, hand I, up I, because I, you booed him? No, no. I have a reason why they booed him. Go on. Because they're idiots. Well, I think that's it. That is the only explanation. I mean, I don't. This whole scenario, there could be criticism levelled at Raheem Sterling. There could be criticism levelled at Gareth Southgate for the way he's handled yep. the situation. There can't be criticism levelled at Joe Gomez. I I don't see where it's coming from. It's, yeah. it's absolutely ludicrous. The only criticism that I would have of Joe Gomez is that he's nine feet tall and five feet wide, and <laughs> he let Raheem Sterling, who's a lot smaller than him, give him a slap. But and by all accounts, looking at the scratch on his face, yeah. it was a slap. Hmm. I think Sterling is an app, up to that point was a, was almost statesmanlike in how he was viewed by the media and yeah. things, hmm. and he, he clearly has, which is an interesting turnaround. Yeah, it's an enormous yeah. turnaround from the tattoo, the gun on the leg, and they really were out to get him, and you know the the gold toilet yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So, I think he deserves an enormous amount of praise for how he conducts himself in the face of significant scrutiny. He's just had he's had a bad day, and he's had a Gomez has obviously said something, and it's kicked off a bit. Hmm. And it's done. And like anyone who's played competitive sport, even at an amateur level, will tell you this stuff happens pretty much all the time. Yeah. Mm. I think the person who's really hung him out to dry a little bit, Southgate, is, is hung both both of them out to dry to an extent because Gomez is now looks you know looks like the good lad telling the teacher, yeah. and still looks like a bit of a rag packet. And yeah. the reality is, it happens in every facet of, of mm. sport. It was always going to come out. There was no point in trying to to keep, keep it, it in house. Yeah, yeah. It, that was always going to happen. But I agree. I think. I just think either it, it was kind of a bit of nothing and almost the half and half punishment by leaving him out in this squad and no doubt will come back for the cost of a game 
was a, just a bit of nonsense. It was kind of like, say it happened, say there was there's no malice in it, say they've made up and then just crack on. Just straight away, Sterling gets back in that team, plays with Gomez, you forget about it instantly. But as you say, I just don't understand how, you know, one plus one has equaled seven in this situation where you look at the line of... Sterling's uh, criticism towards Sterling, criticism towards the way Southgate's handled it. And, and I agree with Jim completely. I don't see how, when the England fans were watching that game and they will have seen Joe Gomez warming up, they'll have seen him getting his top off, getting instructions, and then his, the board coming up for him to come on. How a section of England fans would have gone, I know what we'll do, we'll a, boo him. A significant we'll boo section him. of England. I, 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 I refer you to my original point. No, but, no, but I, <laughs> I, I, and I'm in full agreement with that, but I, I do think that maybe not being held to account is the right word, but I would actually like to hear the explanations you know we can call people idiots and we can say that they were wrong or what have you but I would like to say well, well what is it what what was your train of thought yeah. to go I'm going to boo him I'm going to boo him and hundreds potentially thousands of fans around me are also going to boo him and, and I think to go back to what Phil was saying about Sterling it's an incredible amount of um, double standards these were the probably the same section of fans that 18 months two years ago would have been booing Sterling and because of the, the media strategy to to, go, to attempt to go the opposite way now it's the other way around and it, and it just stinks of fickleness mm. and with regards to Gomez I think he's handled himself pretty solid in all of this he's tried to not really get involved he's tried to just continue on but it, it it's turned into such a mess because as you say these situations happen far up, far more often than we think as, as supporters as journalists Um and, it, and it's just been raised and raised and raised in elevation. And one thing that I will say, uh, Southgate said already there's going to be an even younger team for the Kosovo game and Sterling's more than likely to come back in. Mark my words, as a PR exercise, I think he'll make Sterling captain because he'll be one of the older heads Abraham playing. Up front, maybe. And I think he yeah. And I think he'll I think he'll make I him mean, captain. Get, get Sterling playing, get Gomez playing from the start, get him hugging in the centre circle before Gomez the match. up front. <laughs> get Gomez up front against Kosovo. See what he can do. It's a bit of a mess. I, th- I, <laughs> I like I liked Sterling's um little message on Twitter as well. Yeah. Like Twenty minutes after the end of the game, he basically sent a tweet out saying you shouldn't be booing my teammate, my friend, Joe Gomez. I take responsibility for what I did and let's move on, which is exactly what we should be doing. Yeah. And the second club football comes back, that's exactly what will happen <laughs> as well. Right, the other talking point from last night's European Games was Cristiano Ronaldo. Scored his 96th, 97th and 98th goals at international level, Portugal versus Lithuania. The man is incredible. He's a phenomenon. I'm interested because I think out of all the people I've seen playing football live... He is the exceptional talent. And I'm talking about last time I saw him play was back in his early Manchester United days. I saw him take West Ham apart in a game that we lost 3-1, I think, where Dean Ashton scored that incredible overhead kick. I think think in terms of Premier League, I would say either him or Henri that I've seen live Hmm. um, playing Premier League football. Ronaldo, unfortunately, from, from an Arsenal point of view, I've seen him do horrible tear-inducing things to Arsenal defenders. But yeah, incredible. And particularly his last season with United where he everything just came came to a point for him. He, he'd finally been able to match the incredible skill that he had with the developing physique and the developing pace that he had. And it all kind of came together. I always remember the Champions League semi-final against Arsenal where him and Rooney just tore Arsenal to bits. Mm. Um, and then Henri on a more consistent basis. And I think that's that's the great thing for me when you, when you watch someone of that level and you can watch them half a dozen more times every se- per season 
and they're just constantly excellent. There's just that level and level and level of consistency, and that's what puts Ronaldo in the box that, as you mentioned, Jim, of of the best or yeah. one of the best, because it's just again and again and again and again. And to be playing at 33, 34, 34 is he? Now. 34, to be still performing at that level for a national team and still be wanting to perform at that level for your national team is, is massively impressive. I don't think there's another player, and I've always been a little bit team messy, but I think I might be moving to team Ronaldo because there is just the... the as an individual who looks like he can change a game and looks so terrifying when he gets the ball, it's all about Ronaldo, whereas Messi seems to, maybe it's because of the teams he plays in, but seems to kind of fit into that team more than Ronaldo is an individual. Um, no, I, I would still be team Messi. But I, I always go back to, there was a great quote from Gerard Pico a few years ago where he said, uh, Ronaldo's the best of the humans and <laughs> Messi's just from another planet. And I think that's the way it goes. I mean, again... Our whole frame of reference has been changed in the last 10, 15 years, mm. whereby we've had stages through the 80s, 90s, noughties, where there was one player that was always a little head above everybody else. Now we've got two players that have taken the measurements, smashed records, smashed what we normally use to measure players and, and taken it onto another level. I, I look at players coming through now and you think, who is going to take up either of their mantle? Because they, they've raised the bar so, so, so yeah. high on a club level and on an international level that, that where does someone follow that up? Um, well, it could be another 50 years before could be. you He's, get yeah. another player of that talent coming through. Yeah, I mean... Don't say Matty Longstaff. I'm not gonna, no, I mean, obviously Sean saw, and Matty Longstaff. never saw Peter Beers in his pomp. You know, Lionel Messi does wear Peter Beers in pyjamas, as we may say. But, um, no, I think... Messi's the artist, Ronaldo's the machine. It is worth pointing out, though, that while we're eulogising Ronaldo, he's playing Lithuania last night. Yeah. And he's also coming off the back of, like, significant criticism about his performances in a Juventus shirt. Yeah. So, for me, I'll always be about Messi because I just think Messi does things that are otherworldly. Mm. Um, whereas I think Ronaldo does everything really, really well. He scored 98 goals for Portugal, but he takes every free kick and every penalty. Yeah. And, you know, and pretty much corners that he shoots from. So... You've kind of got to contextualise his performances, but I wouldn't argue that he's the second best player that there's ever been. But at the same time, he will only be the second person to score 100 international goals if he gets two at the weekend against Luxembourg. Second player ever to score international goals. Who was you the first? That. Well, that's my question to you. Who was the first? I think it's the guy from the Middle East, like, who... Oh, I can't remember his name. He played for, for, like, Iran or someone, like, 150 times and very good. something dire maybe or Whoa, Ali very something. good can, you, can you fill in the blanks it's not Ali <laughs> Dyer, but it's something like that Ali Dyer. it is Ali it is Dyer. Ali Dyer. Yes. 109 goals 149 games for Iran retired yeah. I thought you were trying to bring Kieran Dyer into the conversation no, no, Ali, <laughs> any, <laughs> any opportunities to get Kieran Dyer into it's the not, chat it's not the Ali Dyer who played for Southampton no, he didn't get that many goals. On and then immediately substituted 15 <laughs> minutes later. Right, we're going to be back very shortly. We're going to talk about some of the transfer rumours in the paper as we get closer to the silly season. This is Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. I love my club. Every match, the manager, every player who's pulled down the shirt. Don't just talk to me about football. Talk to me about my one and only... I love my club, but I don't love them up the road. Listen to daily smart speaker updates for your Premier League team and your team only. With Sports Social, get closer to the club you love. Ignore the ones you don't. Just say, Alexa, enable Sports Social and choose your team. 
Football Social Daily. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. It is very almost January, terrifyingly. It's almost 2020, even more terrifyingly. That's not like living in the future, isn't it, 2020? Jetson's territory, isn't it? <laughs> it's crazy. But we're going to talk about some of the stuff on the back pages of the paper because it is getting towards January transfer window, silly season, etc., etc. One of the rumours I'm going to start with actually isn't dependent on the transfer window. It's about Uriah Emery, who is still at Arsenal and still much speculation flying around concerning him. In the last seven days, we have had Jose Mourinho linked with the Arsenal job. We've had Brendan Rodgers linked with the Arsenal job. And now we've got Patrick Vieira being linked with the Arsenal job. Ole Gunnar Vieira. <laughs> I, don't think, <laughs> I don't think this is actually... I think this is a bit of miscommunication between the English press and the French press. Because I don't think it's the French press saying that he's being thought of for that role. I think it's the French press suggesting that he could be a potential candidate from that role and it's just been reported badly th- in the UK. I think that's exactly it and I think as you say we're in we're in slow season because it's the international break and we're in pre-build up for January transfer window so all these rumours are going to be given another layer to it. Um, in terms of Vieira to Arsenal I, I think I think and I hope that Arsenal are taking a bit of a lead from Man United and saying let's be a bit mindful about who we appoint. Mm. Uh, we're not going to get into the Solskjaer you know, pro Solskjaer, anti Solskjaer debate today, but jobs for the boys. I think clubs are now going. Make sure we assess all angles before we make any sort of a decision. Mm. Um, and, I, and I'm grateful for that because I think in the past there might have been a bit of a knee jerk reaction. You know, uh, motivated by emotion, get him in. Um, you know, we're talking about a situation with Vieira where he had a brief spell managing New York City. Now he's managing Nice. He finished seventh with them last season. All right at Nice. Though. He's he's not a been doing. 13. He's not been doing brilliantly this season though. That's that's the issue. And again, I think the problem with Arsenal, one of the many many problems with Arsenal, wow, uh, <laughs> is that they need. Got, need... got a limited amount of time. <laughs> we're talking about a consistency issue whereby you need somebody that guarantees a certain level of results. Mm. I know you can't really say guarantees fourth place, but puts you right in the conversation whereby if you don't get top four, you miss it by a, you know, a whisker. When you look at someone like Vieira, there's there's very little guarantees that he comes with that he would either bring that to Arsenal or could potentially bring that to Arsenal. And I just think, again, it falls back into the same category of if it was... Another midfielder, if you know, if it was Roy Keane or Paul Scholes, they wouldn't be in, they wouldn't be linked with the Arsenal job. Mm. Again, I'm not saying it's only because he's because he's ex Arsenal, but it kind of is that reason. And, and there's, there's no there's, there's no other things like Henri has just gone to Montreal Impact. If he hadn't, he'd be getting mentioned like yeah, Vieira and potentially taken over. So I just think it's silly talk at this stage. I think Arsenal have been fairly clear with Emery that unless something drastic happens between now and the end of the season, they're going to give it until the summer and then make a decision. I think maybe in 2020, if we find ourselves outside the top 10, maybe they might make a, a snap decision then. But there doesn't seem to be much give from the Arsenal board on that. One name I haven't heard linked with the Arsenal job, but when I was considering the Vieira thing, I was like, well, that kind of makes sense. Mikel Arteta, who has been a student of Pep Guardiola since he came to Manchester City, City have been very clear that if he wants to go and take up a manager's position somewhere, he is free to do so. That would be a really interesting step for Arsenal to take. It'd be an interesting step, but it it would go back to what I said before. I just think where Arsenal are now, the demands that will be placed on who, because we are assuming that Emery will be replaced in the medium term, if not Mm. the long term. There needs to be a level of guarantee. I'm not against giving someone like Arteta a chance or or even Vieira a chance, but I just think in the interim... You can potentially ruin these these 
fellas' careers, if they go in and they burn, then what happens to them? They get thrown not down to you know the bottom of the pile, but their stock drops yeah, drastically yeah. for their then future as a manager. And I think we've got to give these these managers credit. They know that themselves now. They're seeing the situations from a distance and looking at United, looking at Arsenal, and going. Is it worth the risk? You know, all the emotion attached with being a former player and blah, 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 blah. Is it worth me potentially risking a career that I've got to stretch out for the next 20, 25 years by maybe making a bad decision, which means I've got to work for almost a decade to get back into the conversation for another top job? Yeah. One transfer rumour that links both of your clubs, actually, is the future of Granit Xhaka, (laughs) which has been talked about a lot recently. (laughs) Apparently, Newcastle are interested in taking Xhaka potentially on loan in January. can't afford him. Well, I mean, it's the wages, isn't it, that would be the serious problem for Newcastle. I think his wages at Arsenal are double the top yeah. earner at Newcastle or something along those lines. And, he, and he's on huge... Well, I'm going to I'm gonna pass this over to Phil to talk about, but I want to give Phil full credit for this because about three weeks ago on the podcast, he called this pre-paper uh, speculation, pre-television speculation. He said it and him and Marley had a chat about this and, and Marley scoffed when you suggested that this could be a real thing. And here we are sitting here now talking genuinely about the possibility of Shaka going to St. James's. Would you have him, Phil? Oh, in a happy. I think he's... Uh, like, uh, I think he's decent. At what does Arsenal. he do? What does he do? My understanding of his that is the question at Arsenal is he kicks people. Well, I think you answered your own question. That, no, he breaks Newcastle up play. Needs? He's got decent distribution. He's, he's much more mobile than say a Shelby. Is he an upgrade on Isaac Hayden? Is he an upgrade on Matty Longstaff? Is he an upgrade on Sean Longstaff? Probably yes. So if you can get him, why would you not get him for six months? Mm. I, I, I think he gives you mobility in midfield that we don't have. I'm not saying he's rapid by any stretch of the imagination, but we don't have a lot of mobility in central midfield. And it's a problem for us, especially given the way Bruce wants to play. Um, if you can get him on loan for relatively small wage contributions, it's an absolute no-brainer. It was reported by Keith Downey today, who works for Sky Sports News, that the, the, the interest is very real. They're going to try and use his friendship with Fabian Scher to get him up. Apparently Fabian Scher has been like a, a travel representative telling him how good Newcastle is. <laughs> Mate, honestly, if Fabian Scher looked me in the eye and told me to do something, I'd do it. He's an absolute dream. He's the most handsome footballer in the Premier League. I would do anything Fabian Scher said to me. Fair, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I don't I'm, really I'm, think I'm, anyone can argue with that. I'm, I'm, I'm just, just all over by that. Just Google him if you don't believe me. He's Fabian a very Scher. handsome man. And he's a serious footballer as well, by the way. I think we're in danger of Jim drifting off here because... By by your oh, reference, quite, I think it's quite a dish, Phil. Yeah, he's a good-looking lad, isn't he? He's a good-looking lad. If Granite Granite is thinking, Fabian will be saying to him, "Get us up in your castle, couple of nights out <laughs> with me, with me, wingman me, the lasses lovers, it's all good." And I'm telling you, he'll be signing a he permanent be, deal on the back will of be that. At King, okay. He will be at King's Cross Station. In minutes. To be fair, it would suit both parties. Newcastle need strength in midfield. (laughs) Arsenal need to get rid of Granit Xhaka. And it's like, both boxes ticked, job done. They liked him before he went to Arsenal He wants to stay in the Premier League as well, apparently. He's not that interested in Italy. When he went to Munchen, when he left Munchen, was it Munchen Munchen Gladbach? They were really interested in him then. Right. And obviously, once Arsenal became interested in Newcastle... And 35 million we paid for him I mean, we were interested in him, I think it was like 6 million or something. But uh, yeah, they, they got bombed out for him. So they have the... You know, the transfer committee at Newcastle. Yep. Do you have a lot of info on them and they have retained an interest over a long period of time? I was, I was going to say the whole six million thing. That's classic Mike Ashley. It's 35 million. I'll give you a six. <laughs> 35. And a big seven. <laughs> 30. Is he not understanding? Did he get the email? Yeah. I was going to talk about Erling Braut Haaland as well here. But you know what? I've seen so many rumours about 
Harland and where he may or may not be going that we're not going to talk about it. I'm going to just reference the fact that apparently the favourites are now Manchester United. He wants to link up with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer again. So potentially that move could be happening, but then potentially it could be City and it could be Real Madrid and it could be Juventus. Pretty much every Makes enormous sense for Man United though. Yeah, It would, yeah. What worries me about if he went to Manchester United is the whether he'd be seen as the solution to their goal-scoring problems and maybe... Which he would be, I think. But it's, it's a, but it's a big call to make at this stage in his career to go, you, this weight is on your shoulders now. Yeah, and, and we've slightly seen that as the situation with Rashford this season. Yeah. It's only when a little bit of that pressure has been taken off his shoulders by Solskjaer taking a bit, e- bit easier on him and Martial come back into the team that we're starting to see him getting back in the groove again. And, and I think we'd see a similar situation with Haaland because it's not fair to put that on a young player's shoulders to say, here's a massive club with massive problems. Do us a favour, will you? Will you just fix them for us? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, so we're going to finish off on a little quiz because I had an absolute nightmare earlier on in the week on the podcast. I had a stat that was absolutely wrong. I came up and I asked the question, it was done as a little quiz, who did England have the worst international record against? And the stat I had claimed it was Republic of Ireland which is absolute rubbish. (laughs) They have the sixth worst record against the Republic of Ireland, which means there's five teams that England have a worst international record against. How are you defining the record? Win 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 percentage. percentage, And you have to have played the team more than twice. Okay. Okay, so in a family fortune style, I want to see if you can get the other five teams that England have performed worst against in their 1,000 games. Okay. Uh, Germany, surely. I was going to say, how how are we defining Germany? West Germany, Germany. Germany Germany don't feature on the list. Really? Really? They don't feature on the list. Okay, okay, okay. Argentina don't feature on the list. Uh, We're going to throw a curveball in Portugal. Portugal don't feature on the list. I'm going to give you five lines. Scotland. got two left. Okay, okay. Scotland, I would have guessed Scotland. Just through amount of games. But no, they don't feature on the list either. So, right, so. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we lose all our lives here, give, give us a clue. Give us, uh, give us a clue. Give us a continent clue. Um, Majority Europe, I'd say. No? There's a couple of South American teams in the list. So out of the five, there's two South American Brazil. teams. Brazil. Brazil. Boom, right. Worst we're still alive. Worst record. Worst performance right. against Brazil. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm 15% gonna win rate. Take, a, take a massive punt here. Go on. Another South American. If it's not, I'm going to say Chile. It's not Chile. Oh, that's your uh, lives gone. Because uh, we gone. lost. I remember they lost at Wembley to Chile. France. Marcelo Salas scored. Uh, France are there either. Oh my god! <laughs> who, are the, who are the teams? Uh, who are that, these? Come on, Jim. I'm, like, not, sure, I'm not sure there are five made up. Left Narnia. In the world that you've mentioned. Uh, so after North Korea, Ireland, Swaziland, Italy with thirty percent win percentage. Netherlands twenty seven percent. Uruguay twenty seven percent win percentage. Romania are the Romania. second team that England struggle against 18% win percentage and then you've got Brazil right at the top with 15 Romania really? Four wins out of 26 Yeah Romania two wins out of 11 There you go Bit of a bogey team Right that is it for Football it's Social It's a meaningless quiz <laughs> Georgie Haji <laughs> That's it for Football Social Daily Fergal, Phil thank you very much Thank you Cheers mate Make sure you click subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a show and we'll see you next time Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.